I demand some continuity and good storytelling and dialogue. And I'm not you, getting you, it you, here. And as you, you stated out, oh, this is not you, good cinematography. Bloody hell, here we are, in the middle of nowhere without electricity. Speaking of which, I'm going to switch off this wall clock. Yeah, I was I was listening to your wall clock and thinking that that's, that's something straight out of Evil Dead. <laughs> Let me shut it down even though it kind of fits the mood of tonight's episode, I guess. Yep, despite it being the, the only three good days of, of Finnish summer. We, we are still doing this shit. Yep. That's it. Oh my god. That ancient bed. Welcome to the Flick Lab, indeed. I'm Kari. Here's Henrik, the last time I checked. Still, still relatively happy to be here. All things considered. Relatively is relatively. suggesting some change in the mood <laughs> and the atmosphere of the podcast. Well, well, it, it, it is. It is only only three good days of Finnish summer. So I, I don't know. Maybe the temperature is affecting me. Yeah, it's hellishly hot. At least here, like thirty Celsius. That's not very typical for Finnish summer. I mean, I mean, it happens, but. Not that much, at least. Uh, well, I've been in Poland for five years, so what do I know? Except now, some new winds coming up my direction, so let's see where I'll be next. I'm homeless now, ladies and gentlemen. I'm at my summer house in the middle of nowhere in Alavus, in Etelä-Pohjanmaa region of Finland. And God knows how long. This... <laughs> you thinking hobo. <laughs> well, I still have a roof. And that's probably the reason I'm going to be the stinking hobo here for a while. <laughs> In this summer house that has no electricity. No running water. Mm-mm. You get the drinking water from the nearby city <laughs> by driving 37 <laughs> kilometers. Well, to be honest, that, that also pretty accurately describes the, the Finnish main city, Helsinki. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, no electricity. No, no pure drinking water. Yeah. No, no, no indoor toilets. People are just sitting on the streets as we speak. What, what are you doing in Kallio? I think you need to change the location. <laughs> All right. Tonight's film is Time to Hunt, twenty twenty, and. This time we're going to take the whole episode to discuss how incredibly handsome is Joy Wushik, so welcome to the show. Yep. Spe- speaking of which, did you actually notice that that in, in, in the film 
the description of of the economical collapse that happened happens in South Korea makes no goddamn sense. Or they don't even give you a proper explanation of what type of collapse that has been. And that is the beauty of it, because it's <laughs> secondary. Everything comes secondary here. Uh, but yeah, unfortunately, the, the reality check here is that uh, Henrik has chosen a real treat for us tonight. <laughs> and I, I, I don't know what the hell is going on with you. First of all, you have to know that I'm one of the absolute not fan of zombie flicks. And then when we do choose a zombie flick, it's zombie strippers. For our 98th episode, I might add. What gives? Come on, man. Come on, man. Did you notice the title of, of the flick? Like, zombie strippers. It kind of explains itself. Yeah. It, it's something that explains itself when you're a heteronormative cis male. Come on, teach under like universal language. <laughs> they, they bring together all, 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 all sexes, all gender, or all, all na- nationalities. Mm. Well, it's two the favorite two things of somebody who just has too much time on his hands: <laughs> zombies and strippers. And that's what you get. <laughs> I don't know what's going on with you. Let me let me recap what's been happening for the last week here, dear listeners. So, first of all, we were kind of supposed to record on Sunday. I was waiting for Henrik to reply to my messages regarding what the hell are we going to watch as the movie tonight for the like four or five days. And then I'm like already desperate, like, Henrik, what the hell is the movie? We're going to burn. <laughs> And then the message finally <laughs> arrives. It's zombie strippers. And we record on Tuesday. Fine. <laughs> That's zombie strippers then. Your responsibility. <laughs> well, well, you, you, you may try to learn something from here. From, you know, leave, leaving this. What, what, what are we going to watch? Questions to me. <laughs> But but in in all honesty, it's it's not the case when this episode finally comes out. But upon now that we are recording this, uh, the Finnish midsummer has just been, mm. and for God God know it, I most definitely I'm adamant that I am not going to study the the history and political history and and cultural history of Cuba. During midsummer, like that's where where I draw the line, and to actually actually give you give you some kind of a rationality why why jump is strippers. Well, well yes, like, please. Like I said, like, like I said the, the, the first reason, zombie <laughs> strippers. I was expecting like, silence. What? 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 What, what, what is the what, what is the thing that you don't grasp on this concept? It's like it's it's pure geniusness on, on its rawest form. The, the the second reason, like I said, I I most definitely I was not gonna spend my midsummer studying goddamn Cuba, so that we can we can do a normal, typical the flick lab episode. And I also happened to check on the release 
catalog of our past episodes episodes and and I noticed to my surprise that once again we have made like umpteen fucking episodes about cinematic classics and art cinema and <laughs> what have you. Like, like we, the Thanks previous episode was was Alien. The flick before that was Time to Hunt, which still is relatively serious movie. There was the Andalusian dog, and I I noticed that we haven't really touched upon you know trash cinema since uninvited which was like a fucking ages ago yeah. already on, on this point and my final point once again this this being the the midsummer period or, or when we were preparing this episode it was during midsummer and preparations for midsummer so let me ask you, Kari, did you spend like 100 hours doing a, your background research and studying today's fleet? You know, I rolled this movie for about five minutes and I decided that I'm not going to spend 500 hours researching this flick. Precisely. So yeah, you're correct. You're welcome. Yeah, well, thanks. Here I was preparing for to do something like Federico Fellini's Eight and a Half and uh, here comes some strippers. I couldn't be happier. <laughs> I hope you've enjoyed your midsummer as much as I have watching this trash. <laughs> I, 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 I most definitely enjoyed my midsummer, partly because I was watching this trash. <laughs> <laughs> Uninvited was at least fun trash. What we have here is, well, I will say this: we will not do the, <laughs> we will not do the scene by scene today. <laughs> Well, we can tr we can try, but you can take the control of that. <laughs> yeah, thanks for the reminder to to be careful who is going to pick the flicks here. <laughs> this podcast is sponsored by Kosken Korva. No more Zubrovka since I changed the country. So back to the old classics. We can be found on Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, and what am I missing here? Twitter. The web page. The fucking oh, okay. web page. The flicklab.com. That's, that's I guess, our services for this time. If you use any of these abominations, feel free to do so. What's your history with this film? Let's hear it. I actually found found the flick originally from, from the bargain bin of, of the local video rental store <laughs> where it immediately caught my eye because because god damn it chompies and strippers like it's 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 the most most genius concept that you can possibly have and and on top of that the, it, it, it's starring by Jenna Jameson who is famous for all, all those flicks that I, I watch for, you know, like for, for research, research purposes. purposes. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. And nothing else. Yeah. yeah. Kind of like Bill O'Reilly, who was asking from Jenna Jameson for Jenna's Jameson movies. And Jenna Jameson then joked about that publicly that I'm sure that he was only using it for research purposes. Well done, you guys. Well, this was the first time for f seeing the film for me, for obvious reasons. 
one of, one of the one of the most ridiculous films that we have watched here. Uh, only uninvited on this one comes to mind. Well, I get it, Henrik. You're trying to balance things out. We have had a lot of classics, and now it's back to the bargain bin. Yeah, and you know, to, to really show you that that I I can earn my bread and butter on this podcast, I'm actually gonna defend the flick and try to argue that that it actually has some real merit behind it. All right, I'm really intrigued. What do you want to talk about? We have Robert England here, Freddy Krueger himself playing Ian Esco. Yeah, yeah, but playing what the hell happened to your career, man? Yeah, well, England has not been in much of a quality flicks apart from Nightmare on Elm Street. No, England has had honest attempts to to try to reach out outside of the fra- uh, nightmare franchise some some directing and god knows how many project mo- projects especially with Wes Craven like basically mo- most of most of those Wes Craven tries to do a thing for leaks outside of the nightmare has had England in it and somehow England never actually have managed to break it through outside of Nightmare franchise. Yeah, this is a really odd thing. I mean, he he definitely shines as the the baddie of the films, and usually has antagonist characters here. Uh, regarding the role name that he has here, this Ionesco, it's a reference to Eugene Ionesco. This is a Romanian-French playwright. Did you check this guy out? So this film is actually apparently quite full of references to popular culture. Or it is, yeah. and and it's it's very large. Or it references very heavily on the the Western philosophers. Oh, like well, you you mentioned the Ionesco connection, but there is a also other connections like for example the or the stripper characters are based on a play called rhinoceros from french philosopher and playwright who well is ionesco yep. so yeah so there, there is that connection also the the madame of of the of the strip club the miss blavatsky is a combination character who has a version of her mentioned in Noel Kovar's Polite of Spirit as a kind of a oracle type of character. And the military leader that they have is named after Albert Camus, who was also a philosopher and existentialist, a contemporary to, to Sartre and that the place where the film takes place is Sartre, Nebraska. Mm. So we're dealing with actual art film today. Just add some references to smart people and voila. Well, I I hesitate to say that term distributors is art in, in any meaning of the word. But I, I would maintain that Zombie Strippers, despite its name and, and most of the content, 
which is very titillating to say the least. It, <laughs> it is still a film that actually tries to be more than than you would at first hand expect simply by go go simply going with the title or most of the content. That there is there is a philosophical element to it. It's it's mostly just used for references and and puns. But I still how many how many zombie films how how many horror flicks how many movies you all together know that actually tries to use philosophy and philosophers as a base of some of its jokes. On top of mm. that, it's also extremely heavily political satire. Also, the political satire aspect in this film's case is, I, I would say, it's the element that is more obvious and more in your face than, than the philosophical stuff. Even though the philosophy also at times gets pretty in your face. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there is also those things that we could discuss during the episode, such as misogyny, racism and cliches. From previous zombie yeah. films and yeah, yeah, there there are actually since since you mentioned misogyny, there is actually a quite a quite a lot to tackle with mm. zombie tri- strippers, both good and bad. When in a discussion about good misogyny. and bad misogyny, right, right. Well, not all misogyny is bad, obviously. Oh. When, when I do it, oh. it's perfectly okay. <clears throat> I just today called Henrik like a misogynist piggy boy. Let's see how this goes. <laughs> well, I don't know. Do you want to go scene by scene? Please, by all means. What happens first? Well, the, the first one is is very, very strongly kind of a hidden political satire. There's a news clip that tells you that. W industry scientists have managed to create some kind of a goddamn super virus or something like that. And you kind of have, from the news coverage, you immediately transport into the research facility premises. And you notice that, well, would you believe it? Much like in the first Resident Evil film, when Evil Corporation has uh, cocked up a zombie virus, the whole thing goes to shit. Pretty much in five seconds. Every single time. And look at those beautiful graphics with the W character. With, with, with the W, yeah, with, with the W. This this being the still the time of Bush presidency when the film came out. Also, if if you pay attention under the W, there is also the terror index, which mm. logo is eleven. And and not not the two towers in in any way. Oh, good then. Yeah. Look at so, so so we're living in a times where George W. Bushester is uh, on his fourth term as a president. Yeah, and and, and his daughter has has also grasped the political power for herself. And well, we can we can kind of deduct that these films version of America is a miserable hell bit. And yeah. nothing like the America for in, in real life. And the first shot where we have soldiers we get the Semper Fi. And a guy who likes knives. I like knives. Yeah. 
which is a gag which reappears five times. It, it, it is, it is. Most of the gags actually do re- reappear do, during, during, uh, in, in course of the film. As do sloppy microphone work. Quite clearly this uh, dialogue between these three characters with the two soldiers and what looks like a scientist is recorded on premises and it's quite weak and I can't believe it wasn't recorded more professionally. But hey, you know, fits this film. Yeah, that that's something that, that has to be admitted in, in case of zombie strippers. The film is but ugly. And also also the audio is is all over the place. You can very clearly for example from the audio you can hear that they they try to salvage it and they did their best in in the post production in in order to enhance their audio quality around the film but it's it's still like it it's plagued with audio issues the, the camera work is okay at best during yeah. the fight scenes, the cinematography is downright atrocious. Yeah, it's, yeah, yeah, yeah. Whenever there is a fist fight, the the editing guy goes crazy, and the camera man uses close-ups all over the place. And you can clearly see that it's being shot and edited the way it is, simply to hide the fact that nobody can throw a punch in this cast. And credit to come for credit, which is due. So the editing is done by Jay Lee, and uh, in the DP department we have Jay Lee, direction by yep. Jay Lee. Yeah, story yeah. by Jay Lee, cinematography also by Jay Lee, and yep. lighting by Jay Lee. Jay Lee does so much in this film that even Robert England himself was impressed by exactly how much Jay Lee actually does behind the scenes. Oh, he was. He was. Is there a commentary track on your DVD? There is, there is. It, it's it's nothing great, really. It's it's your extremely average, very typical commentary track that comes with cheap films. Most mm. of the talk is just like, well, I did. I I like to act on on this scene, and I liked my character, and. It, and Jay Lee goes full. It's so nice that everybody who was acting in my film showed up on time on on the shoot and stuff oh, like Rachel. that. Wow! Never, yeah, never yeah. heard. Yeah, it's it's not any any kind of a treasure trove of information. What about the art department? Were they bragging how amazing the special effects were for fifteen dollars? Actually, yeah, our department is is genuinely impressed on exactly how much they managed to squeeze out of the 15 bucks they, that they had. And oh, no. when, when it comes to the art department, I'm actually willing to give it to the art department guys in this film. Like, they really managed to stretch out the 15 bucks. Unfortunately, I am not an art department guy, but... I always used to wonder what's the difference between a 15 USD and a 15,000 USD special effects shot. Like you have the same skills, you have the same knowledge, but somehow you're not able to do the similar shot with this. Well, 
Yeah, yeah. You 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 don't necessarily have the skill. Like big budget films usually are, are shot by guys who actually go to schools for, for this type of shit, and they do have bigger production crews. Yeah. Uh, so I mean. Is the is it the crew that is working on a limitation budget of fifteen USD in a way that affects the quality in a way that they are not able to do as much crazy rendering on the image or something like that, or oh, is it just oh, the case that you need a fifteen thousand USD worth of art department skill to pull it off? Kind of interesting. Well, in in most of the cases, that really much is it. Yeah. Like like the CGI rendering of a, of an image, it actually costs really really much. Like even your Hollywood productions, they don't have really in-house CGI teams. They outsource it and they buy it from different companies. Every single fish in the life of Pi was was actually drawn and rendered by I don't remember what was the animation studio that they used same goes with cats and basically every CGI heavy Hollywood film it's it's always outsourced and both and if you don't have the money to outsource then you have to do it yourself and if your expertise are something like 50 hours with blender well of course it's kind of looks shit and, and and same goes with with props and cinematography and and well also acting like surprise to surprise it's easier to have better quality footage if you have some money to burn you can even get better cameras unlike the camera tech that they use here which is pretty much just one camera in in usage and I would say even that ain't you know the the highest end state-of-the-art tech of, of its time. You know, I was crying tears when I went to YouTube and then there was this guy who was willing to pay actual money for different, I don't know, it was some kind of a Craigslist type of website where you could give a green screen video of this guy running in front of the green screen and he just wanted to see what different types of artists would do with this material, who would come up with the best quality and for what price so he started with some people who were asking for about five dollars for adding these effects on on the background and then he would have some guy who asked who was asking for about 300 usd and they were pretty much all of them were atrocious i mean the source material was already atrocious but you know the guy who was asking 300 usd i could do a better job like sleeping than this guy and then the guy put the same job alert on reddit and those people did it for free and they were like fuck ton a lot better than anything they did for anything these people did for the money so yeah sometimes maybe it's just best to do your film on reddit i guess sometimes yeah yeah i mean i mean reddit could have also helped george lucas out in in the Star Wars prequels. <laughs> maybe, maybe Reddit could have even, you know, written the fucking films for, for George. Couldn't have hurt in any way. Revenge of the Sith is the best Star Wars. Okay, goodbye. Thanks for joining us and see you next week. Um, so what's happening next here? You know what? You, 
You know what I hate about this film is just just the way that it kicks into gear without kind of anything. Just you get to get to know that the, this is the fourth term for President George Bush, and you have the sympathize, and they get on the business, and the zombies are already infestating their laboratory. So it's time to shoot these bastards, uh, and that's it. It's yep, kind of it, the zombies are already no there. No time to get get to the strip club. Well, there's that. You know, it, it's always so atrociously. Oh my. God, it's so boring to look at most of these zombie movies while they're waste. The first 30 minutes in kind of showing you how zombies work, and then it kind of starts. So I give the credit for that, that we get the gears going here pretty fast. And yeah, so we get to the strip club, and we have the star of the strip club, Jenna Jameson. And okay, Henrik, okay, okay, the dits are great. The dits are uh-huh. actually... The, uh-huh. the tits are pretty great. I have to say that I get some great, interesting vibrations here myself. Even like that—that's that's impressive. Yeah, so something that unfortunately is is not impressive is the, is the fact that when, when it came to the evil company that was responsible for for the whole zombie virus and the outbreak in the film. The Jaylee originally wanted to use Holly Porton, which is a real-life multinational oil company who has been involved in scandals like Iraq War and having having Dick Cheney as its CEO in one point of time and gang rape of Jamie Lee Jones, enforcing corruptions in countries like Nigeria and, and God knows how many environment crimes. Like, for example, deep, deep, the whole Deepwater Horizon debacle, in which case Halliburton was also convicted for trying to destroy evidence rela- relating to what happened on Deepwater Horizon. If Deepwater Horizon rings any bells on, on you, it's mm. most likely because there was a high, actually Hollywood film about, about the incident. But, however, they couldn't use Halliburton for uh, the real company due to legal restrictions. So the the in-movie bad guys, the Cheney Co. Co was invented as a replacement. And that's actually something that I... Like I, I did manage to to find some of the shooting script material, where there were more in detail, like lines that you wouldn't get in the film. And going be with what I I saw on on those script snippets, Halliburton sequence either wasn't gonna be anything that great. It was also pretty damn in your face. Mm. But I I still feel that it is a bit of a shame that they they had to replace Halliburton with with a fictional company. Regarding conflicts or wars, it is the fact that the film is suggesting that the U.S. is in in conflict or war with six to eight different countries or so, and <laughs> that 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 is kind of funny that they would start to artificially create zombies just to reanimate their soldiers to keep these wars going on 
and then to centralize, centralize the plot on a, on a strip club, no less, under these extraordinary circumstances. Yeah, it's, it's almost like the script could have, could have just, you know, taken a different road and you would have had the zombie soldiers of, of USA. Yeah, you know, I had no idea what really to expect from this film, apart from, uh, of course, zombies and strippers. <laughs> But I was expecting this to go in the way that you have zombie strippers that will be extremely active in hunting normal people, and we get out of the zombie stripper club out pretty fast. And but but actually, the 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 female characters, the strippers, have still had the same brain powers, let's say, than they had prior to being zombified. Whereas they, the male characters do not. Yeah, yeah, they they, they do. The, the film makes a knowing remark about uh, about how how the virus works better with a female carrier. Yes. And basically, the the whole thing thing goes to shit, and into your typical zombie territory whenever the carrier becomes a man. Eric, would you like to watch a Jenna Jameson porn film in this podcast? Mm, I'm not saying no. Mm, yeah, there was this uh, film that was done by the Jenna Jameson company as their first film with his husband, like in 2001. I think this would be actually a porn film that would actually have some kind of merit to be watched in this podcast. Much more so than AI artificial intelligence. <laughs> maybe, maybe. Like that to our listeners behind the screens, it's hey. it's it's uh, actually it is surprisingly hard to find a watchable porn film for this podcast. <clears throat> yeah, especially hard. But also this 2001 flick with Jenna Jameson, it has some hardcore lesbian action mostly. So if we would like to show the representation of all kinds of different quirkinesses out there. We have had straight porn. I think it's time for some lesbian action next in this podcast. I'm 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 not saying no. I I'm I'm saying that we have to be kind of a picky on, on what we choose to watch. But if we ever actually end up doing a second pornographic episode of course we do and is it still your stance that we do need a professional guest on this show i actually do think that in that case we do need so it's not gonna be just my blabbering about lesbian tits in the show maybe not but with the guest also comes comes the ugly question exactly what are we going to talk about with our guest during the episode the, the typical scene by scene might not actually, well, see, seeing how we are de- talking about pornography, might not actually have anything that interesting mm-hmm. to talk about for, for, I don't know, the f- typical five hours that these episodes take. Mm-hmm. So we would actually need some actual topics which we are going to address. And also coming up with the topics is a bit challenging 
What do you think about the Jenna Jameson's seeming indifference in appearing in this film? Is it just her ego or her kind of an experience that is oozing off the screen that she goes to the stage with this unbelievable level of confidence or is it just that she doesn't care to be there or it's just she's so experienced that she wants to show off like ah oh, i am enjoying this in a way of indifference um it's an interesting question because mm. we are talking about jenna jameson who already has has left the industry and has made a career for herself outside of porn. Mm. She these days works as a columnist and, and a writer and a public spokesperson. So with that out of the way, it's it's a bit hard to say exactly how interested Jenna Jameson would be to appear on, on this film and how much, for example, ego and vanity would be tied into her being in zombie stri- uh, strippers. It's it's very clear that pretty much all of the budget went into Jenna Jameson's and Robert England's paychecks because this film was shot with something like 50 bucks plus whatever Jenna Jameson and Robert England charged. But it is somewhat hard to say, is this Jenna Jameson trying to reach out to other films than porn and actually wanting to be here just to, you know, trying to bridge her career into also some of these new territories to build a name for herself outside of, you know, just sucking dicks on, on camera. Well, Henrique, what is really interesting here is that in 2007, Jenna Jameson had vaginoplasty. And to our listeners who might not know, this is a kind of a operation on the vagina that might have been injured in action. And she got that, and apparently the experience wasn't really top-notch. And to, in 2008, the year that this film was released, Jenna Jameson announced that she would be leaving the business completely. But she, of course, did retain and keep running her company of porn business, this website that I forget the name of, but she was running it. And uh, of course, who who wouldn't? She kept it running, but she, him, she herself was not involved in pornographic imagery anymore. So today's films maybe is some of the last nude breasts that we get yeah. from Jenna James. And yeah. with that out of the way, it's actually surprising how little the film actually uses the nude breasts, uh, breasts of Jenna Jameson. Like when, when I saw the title of the film originally, and I noticed that Jenna Jameson is, is tied with the project my, my first inclination was that Jenna Jameson does a five-second cameo and is out of the picture. Mm. Just so that, you know, the, the film can, can say that Jenna Jameson appears on the movie. But that wasn't the case for, for my great surprise. So then I, of course, immediately started to expect that the film is now going to fully exploit Jameson's tits 
since they, they actually get uh, honest to God, God performance out of her. So why not try to get as many money shots as you can? But also with that, I, I was surprised to notice that most of the running time of the film, Jenna Jameson really is not at all sexy. She's the first stripper to tur- turn to zombie. And in this film, the zombie makeup goes far enough to include all, all of the aspects of body transformation and, and the rotting flesh. This is not so like in some some other trash zombie zombie films where the zombie makeup is just you know just some white powder on somebody's face. Now you are jo- zombie. Yeah. In, in here they, they actually have the the latex and you know open wounds and blood and all, all this stuff. And whenever whenever Jameson is covered by latex and and rotting flesh prosthetics and and all, all the fake blood. It's not really that titillating. And I was really actually, honest to God, surprised to see that that was the route that film was uh, took with with Jameson. You just keep on you using titillating in in this episode. I I can't see why, but I I I think. I would still argue that this film's main purpose is just to get a hard-on for Jay Lee, who has invited or has made this script in order to just get the sexy moments for his set for that time. Well, actually, the, the whole, whole reason why Jay Lee made the script was to break through the the kind of a barrier to enter to the horror films. Of course, he would. But say like, that. like, yeah, like, like the whole films originally started as a joke. They they were thinking what could be the most commercial name that you can come up with, and and they they were joking around, losing names. Name zombie strippers came out, and then they slept. And the next day, Jaylee appears and and says that I actually believe that we can make a film out of this. Like we we can make a film around the title "Zombie Strippers," and that's kind of the the noble noble birth where where the whole project originally got started. It was just you know. Trying to use the most commercial name that you can come up with to to break through uh, to to horror market, which back in the day was relatively open for ev- pretty much everybody. And that's how all the best films were made, Henrik. Come up with the title first, and then write the script next. Well, a- Alien was originally star based, and it was <laughs> made. Because somebody made it the terror beyond space, and the screenwriter wasn't too happy how Dark Star turned out, and the film got funded because, well, Fox had to make money somehow, and and no other sci-fi script was on table. But never mind the tables. Around the ball we have Jenna Jameson, and well, I don't really care about the zombie face but uh, pre-zombie face 
she is really, really, really good looking on that ball. I have to admit that part to our listeners. And But it takes a hell of a lot of time to establish itself or not really even establishing. I feel that the film just bumbles on, shows these girls and it's most most interested in showing the girls in these titillating moments. And it takes quite a lot of time to get to the actual uh, zombie fiesta here. It, it does. The, the pacing is is broken during uh, after the very opening of the film, like the military squad on on, on the science lab and before the actual whole zombie outbreak really breaks loose in in this strip club mm-hmm. there's a huge chunk of film film which is just you know well here here are tits and here are tits and here's dialogue and here's some more tits the, the pacing doesn't exactly work du- during this time of the film let's talk about this Possible racism, if we can call it that. We have this uh, Mexican character, this cleaner guy, who of course puts on, you know, the traditional Mexi- Mexican hat and then starts shooting with pistols, these zombies, in a kind of a suggestive way that that's all that can come out of Mexico. We also have this new girl who enters the strip club. And, Since you me- uh, mentioned the racism, before we get to the new girl, we, uh, I, I have to point out that the racism is touched upon even more deeply in, in the film in, through the Robert England's character, who is openly racist and openly abusive. And when it comes to the racial inequality in in U.S., like the, the whole a- aspect that the character of Paco is is being looked looked down upon by England's character, who repeatedly calls himself as as Mister Illegal, that immigrant, and stuff like that, but at, at the same time also is is very eager to hire the Mexican illegal because, well, they are cheap. And to American cleaner, you actually would have to pay pay something. Yeah, they they are cheap, Henrik. And it it's not only that it's uh, Robert England being or his character being racist. It's it's also that he has this problem with, with germs, or he's a germaphobe, and particularly germaphobic against the ladies who of course have all kinds of sexual diseases that can be transmitted by touching with hands or something and he's completely terrified of those but not at all terrified of touching the cheekbones of the striptease announcer that's fine yep yep and and when it comes to to the germophobic aspects of England's character. That's kind of the same similar situation as it is with Paco. It's kind of the, the movie. I, I don't know. Pete fumbling with what, in my opinion, tries to do and say. Mm. But uh, the, the, uh, the racism towards Paco and the misogyny 
towards the ladies from England's character's part. To me, those actually read somewhat of a condemnation of of the the actual racism and actual misogyny in in US and the stigmatization that happens for for immigrants happens for for women happens to you know those who are strippers or who are engaged with sex work and in, with, with those those sequences i i feel that the movie is is actually trying to say something it's it's trying to point out that there are inherent problems in american value system and we shouldn't be like this we shouldn't be like mm. england's character ian esco where this photos is is in those scenes that you that that you brought up the the moment when the film itself also plays with a racist stereotype when then paco puts on the mexican hat and smokes the cigar and goes full um, only a, a good bad and ugly in the in the final show shootout and some of the dialogue that happens between the ladies during the film it it's it's kind of this weird state where at times the film is condemning this kind of behavior and showing you that that you are kind of a sleazeball if you engage with this type of behavior <laughs> and then there are a couple of instances where the film tries to kind of a just you know slip a racist or at times misogynistic choke just past your eyes and hopes that you don't catch it or pay enough attention to it to call it out mm. yeah you raised a lot of a lot, lot of good points it's kind of all over out there clearly this film is coming from a libertarian standpoint that we have a george w bush who is on the fir- for- fourth term and or somebody could argue that's some kind of a political paranoia. And but then we have also kind of a mixture of things. I'm not sure the message is kind of lost in in in, in the whole film. What I found the f- most problematic about the entire film that there is no central character really. I mean, toward, we kind of gravitate towards England's character because he's the most known character or actor from the film i would say well jenna jameson could also be seen as such but not as like a classical actor that robert england is and no and jenna jameson becomes the main kind of a villain or antagonist if this film really has one yeah yeah so it kind of fumbles bumbles on and i believe there is no central focus except the tits there really is is not character wise and and not even even story wise per se this is kind of a just a situation that escalates within the strip club and then it's resolved at the end of the film mm. and there really is like i i would say when it comes to the characters of of, of the film I, I would say that the character that has most of an arc is Janet Sosa, 
who plays the stripper uh, Berechin. Mm. And and her her whole arc, which which is kind of arc in loose terms, is her trying to find a philosophical base, like forming an identity. She goes through different philosophical ideologies throughout the film, abandons them one after another, tries, tries this, tries that. And finally, at the very end of the film, she declares that she now understands it all. And she knows who, who she is and is immediately shot to the head. So even that arc is kind of like, it, it, it comes from nowhere, it does nothing, it goes from no, to nowhere. Apart from everything of what you said, just said, there's this one zombie who gets his kind of a, first his human face cut into two pieces because this stripper lady is kind of extending the mouth into unusual lengths and I'm not saying that it's anything original because we have seen about a hundred thousand million billion zombie movies already but I found the effects quite satisfying in this guy who has the tongue kind of a sticking out of this extended face yeah I, I like that seen quite a little also it's it's once again it's it's it, it's the same goddamn thing that the film has with everything it tries to do like with, with the uh, uh, like with the political and philosophical touching points in the film when it comes to the gore there are moments when it actually succeeds like there, there are scenes of good gore in in the movie and then there are scenes where the core is shit or it's completely absent. Like, for example, when the military, uh, the, the Ar- Semper Fi army squad mm. hit, the, hit the research lab. And there is the whole horde of sh- zombies that they, they shoot with machine, gu- machine guns. And there's not even a blood spatter there. And apart from all that, Robert England kind of has this quality of... Wario, the American Wario. If you have ever played any Mario games, you might know Wario, this ha 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 character from the Super Mario games, and I think he would provide an excellent voice for this character in any American incarnations. Apart from all that, there is also this uh, this news stripper lady that I was about to discuss, and she seems to be quite disgusted by everything going on at this trip club. Not disgusted enough, though, mind you, because Jenna Jameson becomes zombified and seems that nobody's really batting an eye. There's this, this one stripper character who first reacts to this whole mess and says, after locking this one victim in a cell, she says, oh, my hero, I would like to have a kiss or whatever the dialogue piece was. So... Nobody seems to be quite interested in what the fuck is going on. And then they just get bitten one by one. And it's 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 actually the case that the strippers start to offer themselves one by one to these zombies to be better strippers. And that, yeah. that, that's yeah, kind of the plot. That kind of is the plot. Like, the, the paying audiences at the strip club 
they take notice of of the now zombie zombified strippers, and for reason that I also never really understood, everybody really like zombified strippers with with all, all that rotting flesh and goat hands and all that stuff. Yeah, and regarding this new stripper, she has kind of a. I don't know if it's a, it's a, if it's a boyfriend or a stalker. Anyway, he just kind of follows her around to anywhere she goes. Still, uh, I would say that this 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 guy is the sexiest thing that you get out of this movie. That this is kind of up to anyone's preferences. But yeah, it's it's weird. The guy is in the bushes and then just kind of jumps out of there, and the girl is unfazed. Okay, let's go to a to the strip club and see some titties together. Zombie titties, but but with, with the whole zombie titties aspect of the film and, and exactly how kind of hungry the audiences in the film's universe are for zombie titties, there there is a kind of a correlation also what with what happened in pop culture in general during this time period. I mean, this was. The moment in in pop culture when zombies were all the rage, Walking Dead was starting up, and that kind of gave rise to to the zombie boom. And all of a sudden, that the whole world just couldn't get enough of zombies. Let me tell you about the Walking Dead. I was able to watch like half the first season, and then I had to shut it off. Because of boredom, but whatever floats anyone's boats, go ahead. Yeah, but, but I think it's like now on the season fifty or something. It is, it is, and it has the spin-off, Fear <laughs> the Walking Dead, which takes place, if if I've understood correctly, at the early phases of of the outbreak in Walking Dead universes. There, there were also the, the video games. The Telltale video game series, which also sold like hot potatoes, and do, uh, fo- following the the success of of Walking Dead, basically everybody was was doing zombie films, and and the the, the, the zombie what walkathons where, where people dress yeah. up as zombies and walk from place A to place B. Even yeah. though, uh, as far as I've understood, those those did exist before Walking Dead, but after Walking Dead, they became like hugely popular, and and they they also they became a real a proper thing on their own right. So there was this kind of a zombie appetite that we all all of a sudden developed. During this time period, and I kind of see similarities between us as pop culture consumers who just have to get more and more zombie entertainment and the paying customers of of this film who also are just throwing their money literally at, at the zombies and don't care about anything else except seeing more and more zombies. I just don't get it. I just don't get it. I thought A Night of the Living Dead was... Actually, I, when I first saw it, I was really going to be convinced that this is going to be just another zombie flick. 
then nothing much to it and it would not scare the hell out of me but it it actually did by the end it got so dark too oh my god it's it's still to this day i think it's a really effective film it's a really well made film i have no idea where i was going with this with this but there's not a lot of zombie flicks that i could care about and i do not understand how the phenomena got so big what the hell? There's so many things I, you could do a horror movie about. I I also don't really understand why the phenomena got so big as as it did. But I I can understand what is what what draws you in with with zombie entertainment. Like when, when it comes to bad guys, zombie zombies themselves are are the dullest form of of a horror movie villain. Mm-hmm. Uh, unless they are some kind of a like brain dead type thinking maybe talking kind of a super zombie in that case you can actually get some some entertainment up, uh, uh, out of the zombies themselves but generally the main gist of of a zombie zombie story is not the zombies themselves that they are merely a catalyst that the whole kind of a main conceit, the, the main meat of, of a good zombie story is the human interaction. And basically the humans turning against each other. And that's how zombies should mostly be used in most cases. Some exce- <laughs> you know, exceptions do exist, but in most cases... Zombies should be used just as a catalyst that that kind of a, they take away from the human characters the benefits of a working modern society and the safety net that you get with with a society and and the systems that play play inside inside our societies. Zombies mm. are there just to take the, take those away. And leave the human characters today, they more primal, more selfish base indulgences. And the main story should stem from, you know, those human characters kind of collab- colliding with each other. And maybe that's kind of my problem with zombie films, because like The Walking Dead, perhaps I find it more of kind of like, a, like an extended or different version of The Bold and The Beautiful. It's more about the the human drama than it is about the zombies, and uh, I maybe don't quite grasp this concept. Uh, well, right, yeah, zombies there to create human conflict. It's just maybe you know that uh, I think the zombies have to have something else going for them, just being a mass of zombies out to get you and change change the location where you are in the story and changing the human human interaction i don't know i just i, I and i i think i found something more in train to busan and i'm all for that one yeah i i i don't know myself like, like i said there there are exceptions like like brain dead where the, the zombies are oh, an God. actively working faction within the film and they actually constantly try to do something that they can, they they get, they get, they have, they have lust. They they have needs. Some of them even can talk, and there is some form of intellect working working 
underneath them. But mostly I myself, I, I see zombies to say, to say, as, as the same kind, kind of a, just a kind of a forward pushing force. Like, for example, disaster or, or nuclear catastrophe movies, where what I'm mostly interested in in a typical zombie flick is, is precisely that potent, beautiful human interaction and, and the human clique turning on itself. Yeah, so, dear listeners, if you ever wanted to see the ultimate Peter Jackson, just skip all the Lord of the Rings nonsense because the books are infinitely better anyway, and just go for brain dead. I really wouldn't say that the books are definitely infinitely better. That was a bad joke. Yeah, there's, there, there, there's some some good... Like, at, at times the books are better, but there's also some really, really top-notch bullshit oh, it re- in the books. It, it really reads like a Bible, and I have to admit that I never got to the end of it. It, it it is heavy read, and when when Tom uh, and when Peter Jackson asked Tom Pompadil from the story, nobody shed a tear. Yeah. All right. So yeah, well, everybody gets zombified. There's a lot of cliche and really stupid nonsensical sequences where one stripper lady, this this brunette one, is in front of the mirror and like saying to herself that what are you looking at all of this many of the a lot of the dialogue is really cringeworthy and just doesn't make any sense that's kind of the problem with the bottom of the barrel films that the dialogue is so bad that you just think that somebody just brain farted this this thing in 30 minutes i mean i i i don't know i actually i'm have a different opinion on that i i do admit that the dialogue of the film is is no shakespeare but no i i i still would maintain that the dialogue itself it actually makes sense and it actually works really well at least for this film but i do enjoy the scene where this brunette girl is is dancing on on the pole and kind of creating some kind of whirlwind effect, and everybody's flying away from the stage because the the air is getting so massive. And then, of course, this uh, <laughs> this vagina-powered ball-tossing game where these two girls are fighting each other. I I on on my end, on the other hand, was most bored during those sequences. I felt that in, in in those moments the jokes were kind of at their most old, and and they were jokes that I have already seen. Like when it comes to the the whole shooting balls out of your vagina gag, that was something that even South Park had used years earlier. So I see. nothing new under the sun. There, I also felt that there's a the humor of the film is on its most simplistic. And how about the sexiness levels of these zombified corpse-looking ladies? Did you did you feel that this was still sexy at this point? When when the ladies turned into into zombies and they are fighting each other, these two girls. In no way, no. Yeah, like, like that. That's when. Jameson is covered with other other rotting flesh prosthetics. 
I would like to point out that at this point, the audience is still very much into this, ladies, for one reason or another. Yep. They, they are, they are. And, and like I said, it doesn't make complete sense why they are into these ladies. But at, at the same time, I can I still, I, I do maintain, I, I can see the parallel between the audiences of the film and the, the general audiences as pop culture consumers. And I suppose there's some kind of a statement towards gun laws as well, because Robert England says that, well, or his character says, that, hey, well, it's okay for me to own guns, but I don't need to know how to use them. Yeah. Uh-huh. There is also a point to have with with the strippers of, of the film, both in, in dialogue for, with, with it works and it's good and it doesn't work and it's bad. Like there, there is a, there's a kind of a double-edged sword aspect with the whole concept of the strippers turning into zombies. And talking of double-edged swords, we have this gentleman that I was just praising for his looks department. And then the guy goes berserk and tries to actually rape the lady that he's been trying to get convinced of having some sexy time with. Although the same guy in the beginning of the film was like, please save your buddy for me. Don't go to that strip stage. And then she goes there and then suddenly he's like, all right, I'm definitely going to watch. And afterwards, I'm definitely going to rape you now because yeah, you're not yeah. agreeing for sex with me right now. Yeah. And that, I, once again, to, to keeping in with, with the better jokes of the film, I actually felt that that worked quite well. Like, there are quite many layers to to the boyfriend character in, in this film. Robert Englund's character gets, I suppose, partly eaten and get, then gets zombified, but it's not blown off because specimen reasons because they don't have enough specimens at the lab for some reason well the, the whole robert england situation is mostly just you know i, I don't know karma karmic justice yeah. i mean he, he's the biggest sleaze ball and at the end of the film he he does want to die because of what what happens to him and he is he's he's pretty much the only character who is denied of death. Jaylee, Jaylee, for your benefit, I will say that, that I didn't want to see Robert England lose his head. So you got that one right. That would have been too cruel, even for a sleaze ball back. Uh, how how the fuck that would have been too cruel? It's Robert England, for God's sake! You can't uh, well, well, remove who, the who, horror who? icon's head. Ah, oh, God! Fuck that noise! Robert England was took took part in the whole Nightmare on Elm Street six, Freddy's death, and Freddy versus Jason nonsense. Yeah, well, well off well, with the head already. Well, that, as, that aside, he was in the 1984 and 1985 films that we all know and love, except you, and so you just can't do that. Well, 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 well. To, to Robert England's defense, I must admit that he he was in in Nightmare and on Elm Street 
three Dream Warriors and oh God, following I... sequels. So yeah, all I, right, I, all I, right. I, I, I get I, I the give hint. The I, I give the man that much. I get the hint. We're gonna get to that Nightmare on Elm Street three episode. But when it comes to the the, the Kristen characters, that there is there, there is a pretty I, I I feel pretty strong and pretty kind of a layered joke hidden underneath the whole concept of of a the Christian conservatism where this kind of a saving yourself and and limiting your you yourself from sexual experiences until you are married type of thinking is is a being being almost fetishized and which also stems from deep hypocrisy and there, there is also the, the whole notion with how how society kind of sees strippers themselves, which I, I would say comes most into play with the with the character of Jesse. Like usually, usually, when we talk about strippers, or, or the point is that the strippers often are seen as as victims. And they are identified as as victims. We we don't really when when you when we first think about a stripper, we we don't really think about a human being per se. We we think about a victim, and we think about a horror story that that person must have behind her. No no matter if if she is a stripper voluntarily and even if she enjoys her work we don't take any of these aspects into account we just immediately think that she has to be a victim she has to be damaged goods there has to be a childhood trauma and that on its own is pretty much objectifying behavior because we are denying from the from the strippers the right to be acknowledged as as humans, we we only see this kind of a unhumanistic, un unsexual victim, not a real person. And that's where I actually feel that that when it comes to the interaction with Jessie and her her boyfriend, that that's where 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 it actually works and where the joke is pretty strong. Also, with with the whole concept of of um, of, of this kind of kind of a Virgin Mary or, or Virgin whore objectification that straight men like me at kind of take part on up to a nauseam, where we want to see women as uh, as pure and as untouched, and at the same time we are demanding that they they have to be somehow well diversed in. In the art of sexual pleasures, so and th- that's that's like, like I said that that's where I feel that that the boyfriend character works best, and and where also that the the whole concept of of the strippers being zombies kind of works best because during the course of the film, that the strippers who we often identify as victims they kind of a 
turn into the the danger of, of the film's universe and the paying customers themselves becomes the victims of of the strippers and also victims of of Robert England's character who knowingly allows the situation to escalate and actively takes part in hiding the truth and makes certain not to contact the authorities to to put on put on end what what actually is a zombie plague happening in in his strip club where where the, where, the, where that element doesn't work on the other hand and where, where the film kind of uh, once again fucks it up it is the notion that what we often have in pop culture that is that we have to have extremely sexy ladies who have to be as nude as possible in in this film's universe the semper fi team has two female members in it and the, the blonde one one and the brunette one at the at the end of the film, the blonde member of the Semper Fi team, who is still, uh, uh, who I maintain is supposed to be the best of the best of the best, type of army squad, actually loses her shirt and has to go through the, less, uh, the rest of the film on, on her bra. And that's, that's kind of a, where the film falters. Like we we have this this concept that we have to have extremely sexy ladies as scantily dressed as possible, and at the same time, we often in pop culture we also have the, have the need to destroy these ladies. In 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 case of zombie strippers, we at first we we have to have the strippers as sexy as possible, showing their breasts and showing as much skin as possible. And then later on in the film, we also have to have the same strippers being walking rotting corpses and having their head stomped in. And that that's, well, like I said, that the film kind of does this. It, it succeeds on one level, and then it fails on the another. It does this constantly, and basically every aspect that the film tries to pull off and when it comes to actually trying to be somehow smart and trying to address a liberal talking point through your film, through, through your zombies, this is once again, this is one of those instances. Partly it succeeds when it showcases the victimization and, and kind of a turn staples on who is a victim and with the character of Jesse. And then at the same time, it also fucks it up by taking this, we have to have sexy and then we have to punish and destroy the sexy. Well, 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 this must be the most thorough analysis of zombie strippers and given the most, you know, airtime or thought on this whole process, how the film develops ever. So congrats on that one. <laughs> You, you you can you can never never say that I I don't earn my non-existential paycheck on the podcast. Well, yeah, you constantly blow me away. I guess that's the proper terms to use in this show. But apart from that, we can get into some more molesting in the form of quickies. Favorite performance. 
from Henrik. God damn it. That actually is a, is a tight question for me because I'm really between the two. Is it Robert England or is it is it Kermit Levite who plays Miss Blavatsky? The madam of the strip club. Both of them, which I feel give out the strongest performances of the film and makes most of the funny jokes. Um, and I actually have to flip a coin. You have all the time in the podcast. Okay, heads, it's England. Heads, it's England. I'm, I'm, I'm sorry, Levi. I don't know even what to say. You have completely lost the plot of what is the essential leading character to film. And that's tits. And so I'm going for <laughs> Jenna Jameson, pre-zombified. Favorite you, 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 You're go, going for Jenna... Jameson pre-zombified or Jenna Jameson's tits. Correction. Thank you. Jenna Jameson's tits. You're welcome. Once again. Thank you. Favorite shot. Would be Jenna Jameson's tits pre-zombified. Like any of the shots. Well, it just happens to say in my notes that Jenna Jameson's first appearance on stage, meaning Jenna Jameson's tits. Favorite scene. Um, While you're thinking I, about I, that, I have Jenna I, I, Jameson's tits on the first it's appearance. All the tits at the end. Yeah. Like, oh, I, I, I just you know, take all the tits and combine them in one scene in my head. And it's glorious. Favorite lines? Um, well, actually, this one has pretty good dialogue when, when it comes to the quote wise. No, I had extreme complexities in choosing this one, but let's see what, what you have. This has some I? incredibly bad dialogue but let's see what you have come, come on come on come on this is this is, this is like like quote uh, oh central this is atrocious it's it, it's fucking not but well well let's hear it i'm waiting from, from from this from the dialogue that we have in in the film i i go with so we are all how you say happy with the craps no, n not not crabs. The other crustaceans, but that unfortunately is is not the best joke that they pull off. I would say the best line would, if we would count in the shooting script, it would actually stem from there because uh, this is a dialogue exchange that was cut out of the film, and th this is a moment that happens when the. Strippers are originally introduced, and this is a dialogue e exchange between Madame. Madame, whoever. Ma Madame Bla uh, Blavatsky 
and Genie, where Blavatsky starts that in, in my day in the old country, when I strip, I strip in field, in winter, five, six feet of shit ice, weed freeze like spears sticking up. You slip on ice, fall on spear. Go through you like knife through piroshki. And Genie remarks, bullshit. And why this bullshit? And Genie is, anyway, ice melts. You can't skate at the rink of death all year round. And Blavatsky remarks that this is true. But when ice melt or and clear field, you maybe then step on landmine, which is actually pretty good depiction of current day Poland. <laughs> <laughs> and totally deserved shot right there. And regarding this something Atsuki character. Yeah, perhaps I was at moments kind of impressed by her over-the-top Slavic pronunciation. So, whatever the case, I will give my regards to her. Thank you for appearing in this film. One of the few highlights. Even if kind of... I wouldn't call it hateful. It was fun. Thank you. My favorite line, I guess, this this is just grasping at straws, but her... God, you, you just can't find good lines. No, I, I, I tried, I really tried. No, you didn't. I really, no, really, no, really, didn't. really, 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 really tried. <laughs> herpes is one thing, but zombie herpes. And that's all I got. That, that sounds a good line. No, it's not. Like, like you, you, it's herpes. That's actually something that you could use to, to describe a sticky situation. <laughs> I tried, but that's the best I got. You, you, you just can't appreciate a trash dialogue, man. <laughs> <laughs> this, this, is, this is the Polish elitism talking in here. What's talking about? I've got my accent pretty well. I got my vegetables on my tables. Favorite kill. Once again, there, there were a couple of shots of really good goal in, in this film. Uh, if, I, if I would have to choose... Uh, like my, my two favorite kills in, during, during the film is, is the guy who gets his head torn in half. The, the whole... I like your tongue sequence, and when the announcer of the strip club gets gets the top of his head torn off, and you get all the juices, close up on close ups on his his brain and all, all that jazz. From those two, I'm going with the guy getting his head torn in half in the I like mm. your tongue scene. Mm. For me, it would be Jenna Jameson, because we have Jameson's tits. This is coming from from a quite of a favorable position, coming from a gay man, so to speak. <gasps> I'm, I'm, I'm sensing that, seeing how in, in that sequence, like, we, which death are we talking about? We're the first one or the, or the final death? Well, actually, this is the zombified procedure. So when she comes as a human to the stage with all that 
in inexorable confidence and then gets eaten by a zombie immediately. So that was fun. Well, it's only slightly less problematic than going with the, you know, after zombie fight kids. What is problematic about eating Jenna Jameson on stage? I I, I don't know. Maybe maybe all the, all the blood gushing out of her neck and yeah. the whole life being lost thing. Mm, nothing I'm, special I'm sure about I, that. I mean, I'm I'm, I'm, I'm I'm sensing that you don't. I'm I'm sensing two things. What is that? A, you don't exactly like the film, and B, that you have problems, which might actually also explain you not liking the film. Well, I thought it was actually the most exciting thing of the film. It kind of kickstarts the film. Finally, we have something going for here. Like we have the kind of escalation of the situation. Bang yeah, on! We, we we had exploding zombie hair before that. Back in the labs. Uh, yeah, well, well, but but that didn't have any kind of a, any preamble to it. It just happened. Whereas the but but it it, it was in my opinion a callback to. Torture Romero's Day of the Dead, which also had a scientific facility where there were captive zombies. Well, all kinds of trains for all of us, folks. Henrik, what drew you out? I'm really curious. Um, the, the... Nothing really threw me out of the film. Oh, ho, ho. but I I did have problems with uh, some of the in-your-face humor. It once again, it didn't throw me out of the picture, but I I did notice, and I too did cringe a, a bit when when the the humor was, or, or when the political humor more specifically was most in your face. Wow. Yeah. So, first of all, the film doesn't have any leading character as I have established here. And I'm sorry if my volume is going a little bit crazy decibels here, but it just kind of wobbles on, wobbles on. It takes kind of a long while to get started because it's still preoccupied a bit with the, its the, 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 the quote, titties. The quote, the quote, famous poet said, <laughs> Motherfucker, have you ever seen Jim Jarmusch movie. No, I haven't. I rest my case. <laughs> I'm laying the case out here, plain and flat, that the only reason that you are so interested in this film is the tits. That that's the only driving force why you would be willing to even watch this gargantuan piece of gargoyle. But... It takes kind of a long while to get started because it has this titties going on with the strippers and doesn't do anything really. Everything just kind of seems like an excuse to get the pressed on screen, but kind of a horrifying dialogue and script. Cliché, misguided, not that funny as it wants to be and unintentionally dumb. Am, am I now judging this situation correctly? Does this film not tickle your elitist bones? 
Like, is, is this not the fine art that you devote yourself in? Right, because we have watched some some French films, some kind of a, kind of a class cinema here. And then we were we were watching zombie strippers. This movie had doesn't have any elitist bone in its zombified body. No, what are you, what are you talking God, about? God, God bless him. I'm actually willing to appreciate the film, even though this is not something like the, the, even though this is not a classic cinema, and even though this does not have you know the elements of of the typical elitist movies that we usually visit on this podcast. I try to keep this podcast like listenable to the best of my ability. Well, I I I, I, I somehow failed to see how how being an upnosed elitist is serving that purpose. Well, you know. They, well, I I mean I mean fuck you or 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 the guests Ooh. of 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 this of of the podcast. Mm-hmm. By your demand, may I highlight and have been a man of the street. You, you yourself have, have made it clear that we we don't get our guests from from the academic circles, no. and mo- most likely we are also crossing out the film critics of of Finnish broadcasting station Yle. So what what we are mostly talking about when it comes to our guests is is the blue blue collar workers. And you know your your average everyday man. Are you and just is, undermining all of our generous guests, and especially when we are trying to do the kind of a street man thing? Like, what did you? How did you experience coming from no, your culture? No, 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 no. This goddamn film. I'm 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 not undermining our guests. On on the on on the contrary, I'm actually uplifting our guests because. And this is a movie for the everyman. And you are being the elitist snob who demands that every film has to be a goddamn piece of art. I demand some continuity and good storytelling and dialogue. And I'm not you, getting you, it you, here. And as you, you stated are, out, this is not you, good you are, cinematography. You are, you are getting continuity. There is the, the original inciting incident, which is the one soldier escaping from the lab and seeking refuge from from the strip club. And then you have an escalation of events from that point until the whole situation reaches it, the tipping point and its climax, which is the moment when the rest of the military, Semper Fi military squad comes comes to the strip club and actually takes care of the situation. And that's kind of the thing, because there is no climax in this film. There's there, a there fucking a trash it's, bag. It's There is a climax. It's all the dead zombies. Yeah, trash bag zombies. And then somebody is getting bitten by the zombies like a fucking idiot, because the fucking military is already aware of the zombies and the trash bag zombies that they have collected a specimen, right? And still it, not it, able to be aware of it? Am I reading the situation correctly? Are you stating that zombies are not elitist enough for your fine cultural movie-enjoying self? Well, goddammit, this is the James Bond podcast where we have, like, nice suits and the well, charismatic lead characters who have manners, except kind of raping the ladies and somewhat. But, you know, 
now we're watching zombies who have kind of what well, well, they are not the kind of the, the 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 top of the barrel in the case of looks or manners mind you <laughs> that 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 is that is very much the case i i must give you that much this really is is not up to the class of of james bond films yeah, well Thank you for colliding with me on that one. You know, preferable manner. What drew you in, Jameson Stitz? <laughs> I, I I must go with the political satire. <laughs> You're giving too many excuses to for this film. I can tell. I can tell. I can tell. Scissors of sacrilege. Uh, the most in-your-face political satire and the philosophical jokes. Like mentioned, some of it really works, but some of it like really just calls your attention. <laughs> the, the NRA joke with Robert England's character that I felt was actually pretty good one. The the whole it's the fourth term of George Bush presidency. The uh, swearing W logo and the 9-11 terror index, on the other hand, that was too much in your face. Okay, I feel like I'm repeating myself constantly. You, you are, you yeah, most definitely I, are. I but am. then again, it is this podcast. There are reasons for it. First... Get a central character, if you please, would, and then number two, rewrite the entire dialogue of the film. And you know what, Henrik? Number three, number three, just rewrite the entire script and start over. How about that? <laughs> How about that for your listening pleasure? I mean, it's a, it's an intriguing idea. But I, I mean, I'm. I realize that it's a complete satire. Of course it is. Of course. But I feel that constantly that it's just not driving it to the to the fulfillment for the audience. It's just not funny because it's just so lame dialogue written in fifteen minutes. It's just working for me. But I'm really shocked and surprised that it's working for you, of all the people in this podcast, who is always so critical of the dialogue and, you know, the South Korean aspect of, you know, the, the you know the South Korean futuristic look at how the economy is working. Who f cares? Well, well, me and Lee, who is actual South Korean, care. Like... <laughs> You, I, I, I hate to break this one to you, Curry, but you are the old man out here. This is just asking for more Choi Wushik movies. <laughs> well, well, only, only if they, they have <laughs> more better established economical model. adjectives to describe this film <laughs> don't say titillating please <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> okay, I'm 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 scratching over titillating, but but good, funny and and moist. <laughs> because, 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 because of the rotting zombie flesh and, and nothing else. Uh, oh. I had something going differently here. <laughs> How about cheap, lazy, and dumb? Uh, well, I'm really happy that I didn't need to go through eight and a half from Federico for. In like 48 hours to analyze. This makes more sense. <laughs> well, well, we, we can return back to your elitist cinema. <laughs> you, you, can, you can be an uptight snob uh, during the next episode. Once again. I try my best. You, you do. You do. I try. But, uh, but you know, as a counterforce for your elitism, I'm always here on this podcast, <laughs> holding the torch, being the, you know, the, the banner parallel for for the everyday man. What are we doing again? Uh, oh, uh, Henrik, would you recommend this film? <laughs> Why, why, why did why did you go go first? Because if I've learned anything from the elitist fox of of, of this earth, they always want to be the first. <laughs> uh, I, I would I would think that you would be the first to go, considering the kind of a libertarian approach of this film. Well, I, 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 I can, I can, I can be the fir- first to go. You, you don't, you don't have to though, because would I recommend uh, zombie strippers? There's two syllables, and that's ne. Fuck yes. <laughs> <laughs> and that's all I gotta say about it. <laughs> My vo- vocabulary is stunted by this film. <laughs> Most likely, yeah, yeah, yeah. I I, I can un- understand that. My voca- vocabulary, on the other hand, is being stunned by goat beer, which is what I drink because <laughs> I'm a I'm an everyday man. I enjoy a hot steak and goat beer after hard day's work. <laughs> But but when it comes to to zombie strippers, would I recommend it? I actually, honest to God, would. It it's not a glowing recommendation, by any merit. Like you you have made perfectly clear, and I do acknowledge it. We are not <laughs> talking about any kind of a classic cinema here. This, this is not any kind of a fine art. That, that we are dealing with. Um, the film has... It, it has a pacing problem. The cinematography is okay at best. It's terrible at worst. There, there are sound issues. This is very ugly looking and very ugly sounding film. But at the same time, that's actually nothing new. 
at, at least for me. I kind of have become blind and deaf to some of the technical failings when we are talking about trash cinema. What is what this movie also very much is. Like, I, I do understand that, that in, in traditional sense, Zombie Strippers is, is, is not a good film. It's pretty damn terrible film. <laughs> but at the same time, like, I, I myself, I, I've also grown with, with trash movies. My, my first on, on the set experience ever was from this terrible five buck budget Finnish amateur independent movie called Palikkatappajat, <laughs> which was some kind of a action comedy which was being shot on, you know, that's cheapest possible in-home use handheld video cameras of the early 90s. Like, I, I, I kind of, a, that, that's where my roots are when it comes to, you know, be, working with the quote-unquote industry and, and having exp personal experience with working in, in film. And I, I on my end, I, I I have watched and you know consumed my fair amount of of Z grade, extremely cheaply made, bad, trash movies, and I do see merit in them. Like I I do appreciate the effort that goes to making even even the trash movies. And I do understand that that's not for everyone, but that is, at times, at times, it is for me. It, it is, it is for for the you know the main host of of the YouTube program Video Sacki, who has been in touch with our podcast and and she, uh, expressed his interest in in collaborating in some episode like I, I i share background also with that guy uh not personally but i stem from the similar type of similar uh, cinematic background and cinematic culture going through and experiencing trash cinema and when i i look at Zombie strippers. I I look at it on on the grounds of trash movies, because like mentioned, the film is not good on any traditional sense. But at the same time, as as all the other other trash films, it doesn't really thrive to be seriously be taken good film. I mean, the, the, the movie's name is Zombie Strippers. It's obvious that you're not going to get Wolf of Wall Street out of this thing. And when it comes to to working as a trash film, it it it, it succeeds and it does not. It, it's kind of a two-bladed effect constantly. It, it, it reaches higher than your average trash movie by having having political and philosophical jokes 
some of them are really in your face. Some of them are actually pretty smart. Like, for example, the, the whole gag that they have with Jenna Jameson's character reading the collected works of Nietzsche and Nietzsche making more sense to her after he, she has been zombified. Nietzsche being the famous philosopher with the whole Übermensch ideology and in this film's universe, the zombies being kind of the Übermensch of the film's universe. So goes to figure that Nietzsche makes more sense to now zombie Jameson. And that's kind of the tipping point from which the, the whole zombie pandemic starts to escalate within the strip club. That's a pretty good philosophical joke. In, in the end. And it, it does have some nice gore. One, once again, it's a similar type of situation. At times, it has absolutely shit gore, or it doesn't have gore at all. Like, for example, when the Semper Fi team is, is storming the, the medical labs or the research lab. And you don't get even blood spatters. But, at this, but then... Oh, Later on in the film, you actually get the whole I like your tongue scene, or you get when the announcer gets his the top of his head ripped off, and there's a close-up on the on the or the brain matter and the blood, and so it's 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 shit gore and it's good gore, and when it comes to trash films, it's mostly question about. Did you enjoy it or did you have a good time? And if if you did, did the film try to reach something higher? The film did try to reach something higher by being philosophical and political. And I myself, at least, I was thoroughly enjoyed and entertained by the film. I, I mean, come on, it's... It's zombie strippers, and it still managed to titillate even Connery, who is not even in the target audience. You know, it was kind of a decent idea, but I thought that it's not quite hitting the mark. It has some good things going for it, but when it comes to the dialogue, I just was just kind of mortified and had the way that the film develops. I, I mean, I'm beating the dead horse, I know. But if you want to know what I think about trash films, I did recommend Uninvited from 1988. So please check out that episode and come back to me to say, say that I'm a complete elite snob. You are a complete elite snob and you just like, you know, Uninvited because even elite snob has to like one trash movie just to say that he has some clout. And when, but when it, when it comes to tits, it's kind of a mini, minimalist in, point of interest for me in this film. But I was quite titillated still how 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 well it works. I mean, it, it still seems like a very in in some sense kind of an exciting sexual experience with this full on confidence that Jenna Jameson is is uh, um, showing towards the audience. So, um, but, uh, like I, I said, like I said, tits are a universal concept. It transcends, you know, 
sexual preferences, nationalities, race, gender. Well, it's, it's above all of this. Well, transcending tits aside, I thought that it was kind of going for something, but it just quite didn't get there. I mean, the film would have been... F- I, I don't know if you can get anything really funny about zombie strippers, but I, for, for the love of God, it really tried. But it just couldn't quite get there because I think it would have needed somebody who actually knows something about script writing to get it quite to the point of, you know, the umph that I'm looking for. And without a central character, it just kind of fumbles. Nevertheless, no recommendation for me. I, I, I somehow how fail to see how you can have a problem with, with dialogue of, I, of a film that has, has lines like, okay, Uber slots, we have new meat. I will tell you. That's a quotable line right there. I will tell you. I will st- still say that the main point why this film kept you titillated is the tits. And in that same vein, I guess we should continue our uh, exciting adventure into Joy Chic to get kind of the, you know, the, the, the different approach. Well, 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 why not? I don't think... Latin teats? What, what, what is this approach that you're trying to sell us? Flatten teats? Why not? Why not? Next in this podcast. There are there are certain sexual deviations that we follow unconsciously, and I think that's what happened to you, Henrik, in this selecting in this film. <laughs> I, 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 I would say that what, what what is happening here is is that the film is so strong that it's actually turning you at least. Five percent straight, <laughs> and because of that, that you the only thing you actually managed to see is teeth. Well, that that was essentially the best part of the film. I have to agree. <laughs> I, I I would almost say that that we need to have a episode where our guest guest is is the guy from Videosaki. And I would still argue that. Like the second point why you chose this film was just to have something that is not quite like a lesbian porn, but as close as we can get to it without a guest. So I can shoot off your load in this episode. Actually, I was really disappointed that we didn't in the end have a guest for this episode. I, I, honest to God, honest to God, I would have actually liked to have have the video Saki guy with us here to do- to- tonight or have a real life stripper with us as a guest tonight. Mm. I'm all for it. Go look for strippers for this podcast. That that's that's the part that we are yeah kind of a, a I, I mean as a film podcast we are a bit too shameful even for the strippers. What is shameful about? Uh, are you, uh, are you career shaming in this podcast? Our podcast, most definitely. Like my 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 family has already disowned me ever since I started co-hosting the Flick Lab of all things. 
What? There, 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 there exists a testament made by my parents where, where there, there is my and my siblings' names all written and, you know, the concept and, and, and the shares we are supposed to get from absolutely nothing. But still, you know, it's the thought that counts. And ever, ever since I, I told to my parents that I now am a co-host on a film podcast, I know for a fact that they, they took the testament out and they just, you know, overthrew my name. I have some things to discuss with your parents. <laughs> I mean, the same. And, 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 and they, would, they would counteract any of your arguments by stating that. Is it true that you're hosting a film podcast? <sighs> Looks like the... The, the best ways to get listeners at this point is just tie people in a chair and put something on their mouth to not hear any <laughs> opposing views. Just put on the flick lab. Yeah, yeah. You, you, usually torture and brainwashing are the best ways. Yeah. Especially the, in, in the case of product of this quality. It, it's okay. They just still haven't realized that we are professionals. I, I mean, I, I, I would say that, that that's the exact same sentiment that Jay Lee made when he stopped shooting. I, I, I think this is the best place to chop, stop this podcast episode. <laughs> <laughs> well, if, well, 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 well. <laughs> If you still know that we are, of course, the utmost professionals, you can find us on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, Instagram, and please contact us if you have any questions in regards of the film industry, because we have all all the answers. And and also, if if you are a film critic for the Finnish broadcasting station, please contact Kari personally on Twitter. Kalle Kinnunen, Kalle Kinnunen, you're wrong. <laughs> I, 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 I would say I would say this episode proves that Carla Kinnon was right I haven't seen Carla Kinnon's credentials I actually have some <laughs> I can post them on Facebook if you want would it be time to get the hell out of, th- out of this podcast before an infestation of zombies <laughs> So, so, Kari, elitist fuck. Uh, uh, what, what, what is what is the up nosed schnoppies movie that we are going to touch upon next week? Because uh, I, I have a strange feeling that that it's going to be your pick of the Disney parkour. You know what? This film single-handedly almost almost wanted me to make completely different choice for the 99th episode of this podcast. Because some strippers and sprinkles sprinkled, not exactly in the same class. But I have no better ideas. So, Henrik, would it be sprinkles sprinkled for our listening pleasure? Sprinkle Sprinkled is the 
as it's known at least, the first film that has a narrative structure to it, a fictional narrative structure from the 19th century. I think it would be the appropriate way to end the 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 hundred episodes that we have been doing at this point. Then you know it might be a bit of a challenge because it lasts like one minute or less. But <laughs> but it's 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 definitely something that we haven't done before, and uh, I'm all for. You know, it's not that artistic, or at least you have to endure the artisticness of this for less than one minute so would it be okay for your summer days <laughs> I, I i don't i don't know i don't know I, I i have to think about it i mean after all i i stem from the lineage of men who who work on railroads and factories and construction sites so i i i don't know if this really is the you know the everyday man feeling. One thing is for sure, I can't <laughs> endure more of zombie strippers. <laughs> you, you know, you know, do, do you want to check out stripper werewolves? Fuck you. <laughs> We, we 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 can we can go back to Japan and see big teeth zombie squad. Ah, <laughs> uh, I I protest as the the police of sexuality of this podcast. It's going to be more penis from now on. <laughs> well, that's. That, that, that's only because of your conservative values, so... <laughs> Quite of a claim. <laughs> I expect you to see you on the Sunday church. <laughs> yeah. Thank you for joining us. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> these... these these feelings and images. <laughs> See you next week. Yeah, <laughs>